Greetings, I'm Karen Colligan, and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership Podcast. I'm the founder of a leadership organization called PeopleThink, where I created the Keep It Real leadership program that equips and elevates emerging and advancing leaders. It's all online and it can be done anywhere and it can be done at any time. What I know for sure is all leaders lead differently. And that's the beauty of leadership. It's so important to understand what your unique leadership style is. Now that word is worth repeating. Unique. Because everyone has their own leadership style, which will inform how they're going to help their team and help their organization move forward. You got to be real and you got to be bold and you got to drive to take action. Because let's face it, people look to their leaders for vision. They look to their leaders for coaching and growth opportunities. This is why as a leader, you want to be crystal clear about your unique leadership style and competencies. The whole purpose of the Let's Talk Leadership podcast is to speak to a variety of leaders who are in different industries with different titles at different levels to better understand their unique way of leading. We're going to ask each leader the same six questions so we can provide you with a diverse way of looking at leadership. We want you to find those treasures that will help you be the best leader only you can be. So let's get moving and talk to our next leadership guest. In this episode, I am thrilled to be speaking to John Kane, who is a senior director and head of commercial learning and development at Sun Pharma. We're going to hear all about John's approach to leadership. So John, welcome and thank you for being here with us today. Karen, it's awesome to be here. And I love it when we say, let's keep it real. And you always do. So it <laughs> well, be fun. Yeah, it will be fun. Thank you, John. So, John, before we get into this, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and give us a snapshot of your role at Sun Pharma before we get into our leadership conversation. Yeah, I just joined Sun Pharma about 10 months ago, and it's a really fun organization with a lot of collaboration. My role is as a servant leader to the training department is we serve all seven BUs. We have specialty derm, med derm, ophthalmology, market access, and our biologics, and even our long-term care teams. And so we have a number of training managers and associate directors on our team. And I like to think of the entire team as really being servant leaders to those BUs. Mm -hmm. and so we craft out, instructionally design, deliver, develop curriculum that's aligned with the strategic imperatives of the teams. It's a lot of fun really proud of our training and development team. They're very genuine, real people who want to help others. So that's what we do. And we serve all the commercial needs, both marketing, market access, and sales. Wow. 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 And I love what you said, John, about the fact that you're really proud of your L&D team because they want to help others. And when you think about what learning and development is, I mean, really, it's the development of others. And that's why we do what we do for a living. So I love that. And it's not often that I hear, oh, I work for a fun organization and there's a lot of collaboration. So that is pretty darn cool. Nice. Sweet. Yeah, it is. It is fun. 
our yeah. team has fun. We kind of laugh. We work very, very hard. Yeah. Because we're not over-resourced. Yeah. We're, we're <laughs> Who is? A little bit. Yeah. But we all come together. In fact, today I took a call. I'm at ATD today. Nice. And I took a call at 7 a.m. The entire team's getting on board to help out and build out a curriculum for some new AFTs or area field trainers. And the whole team comes together. So it's really fun to watch. Nice collaboration at its best for sure. Wow. Thank you for that. Okay. So let's get into our conversation here about leadership. <laughs> um, and, and you know what we both know, again, we've been, I'll say colleagues and friends really for many, many years through many iterations of our careers. And we talk about leadership a lot and we both know everybody defines it differently, John. So how do you define leadership? Like scoop us on, on how you define leadership. Well, first and foremost, leadership's a journey. Mm-hmm. And my journey started probably early on, but I officially when I became a, first, a second lieutenant in the United States Army. Mm. And I look back, I was 21. That's 38 years ago. <laughs> Top secret was, info, John. <laughs> yeah, it was daunting. As yes. I look back and go, Oh my gosh, I was a commander of a scout and tank platoon, you know, became a member of that kind of team, with that kind of responsibility. I look back and go, oh my gosh, I'm so glad my non-commissioned officers tolerated me because I probably got so much wrong. And today, where I'm at today, I wish I was this leader 20, 25, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So based on that, background. I've always seen leadership as a blend of competency and character. Mm. And the thing that ties those two together is trust. And to me, the price of leadership is self-interest. Again, going back to the military, we'd be on a field problem for 30 days. You might get a hot meal once a week. Mm. Officers wouldn't even go and stand in line. Everybody else ate first. Uh. And you thought of your troops first. And that's a very basic thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody eating. But we knew that even if we stood in line, then the people doling out the food would dole it out differently. We didn't want that. So we would go off and let the men eat. It was a very powerful message to say, all of you come first. Yes. And so that's something that's, you know, the price of leadership is self-interest. The other thing is it's being transparent and having empathy. And then actually the way I really define leadership is getting people to believe in things that they didn't think were quite possible and get behind a vision that they may not have even agreed with or even thought was possible. But then all of a sudden they start to realize on that journey, hey, we're doing this. And and that's a lot of fun to see. Oh, yeah. And then and, and what you just said in terms of leadership is about competency and character, which then leads to trust. So now you just talk about this vision work, getting people to believe in something they didn't know they could or would believe in. They're not going to do that if they don't trust you. There is no way. So that has to be the established foundation prior to even beginning this whole vision of, look, there's possibilities, there's a future. And why would I believe you if I don't trust you? So it, it really goes hand in hand. And it does speak to character and competency, right? Because if you don't have that character, well, they're not going to trust you. 
right? You could have a lot of character, but if you're not competent, they're not going to trust you because I always say anybody will follow anybody out of a burning building. Yeah. It's the folks that are running into the burning building to get people out. Well, people follow you then. And that has to be about trust. And, And I forget who came up with that trust formula, but to me, it's trust is a fraction with the numerator being credibility, reliability, and intimacy. And intimacy, I mean, is how close are you? And do you have a good working relationship? Are you reliable? Do you say and do what you're going to do? But the denominator, the thing that kills it all is their perception of Uh your own self-interest. That's the deal breaker. If they think you're just in for you, you'll Mm -hmm. never win trust. Yeah, that's exactly right. Wow, that's fabulous. Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then let's talk about values. As a leader, we all have to have, of course, a set of values that we really make our decisions. It's really, you know, our guiding light, it's our North Star, it's whatever you want to say. But it's at the end of the day, we make our decisions based on what our value system is. And so what are your top three values as a leader, John? Ooh. Three. I, it's hard. There's, there's I a know. lot, right? I know. Uh, top I'm so three. mean. I'm so mean. <laughs> well, the first is to thine own self be true. So it's honesty and integrity with yourself and with others. People may not like the news you're going to give them, but you've got to be transparent. You've got to be honest. And how do you deliver it in a way that will still keep them motivated? So honesty, integrity, it kind of gets back to that trust. A genuine interest in others. That's that servant leadership. And that addresses that perception of self-interest. If And literally, that can't be faked. Oh, they'll know immediately. Yes. Yeah. So that servant leadership, and sometimes <laughs> Vince Lombardi, I think, said it. They may not like you now, they'll love you later. <laughs> sometimes as a leader, you're not going to be liked. Uh-huh. But I remember... During a training session, I asked the group, who's your worst boss? And this one gentleman got up and said, this guy challenged me and did this and did that. And all of a sudden he paused. It was in front of 20 people. It was a very long pause. Mm. He said, can I change my answer? That might have been my best boss. So sometimes when you're challenging and getting people to move out of that comfort zone where they start to learn and they start to grab on to new skills and abilities, you may not be liked uh, and you almost have to keep consistent to that vision, if that makes sense. Uh, The last one I would say is commitment. Commitment to who and what? To them and to your word and and Mm -hmm. honoring your commitments. If you're going to do something, you better do it Mm -hmm. because that will erode trust as quickly as anything. If you're unreliable, then people will just say, "Mm, nah. Absolutely. So you've got honesty and integrity as one, genuine interest in others. So that whole servant leadership and how important it is not always, you're not always going to be liked and you're not always going to be popular, but that's not what leadership is about. (laughs) It's making those hard decisions when they have to be made and really being bold enough to hold on to them. And then your third is commitment to yourself, of course, but also to them, to let them know that you're there for them and you're committed to their well-being, if you will. Exactly. I, I said to someone recently, you know, you're a leader when you start to worry about the people on your team as much as your own kids. 
mm-hmm. you start to lose sleep about, hey, what am I going to do about Jimmy? And how's Jimmy going to do? And, and yeah. you start to worry about them as much as your own kids sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. My wife sometimes says, you know, my next life, I'm going to come back as one of your team members. I think you treat <laughs> them great, right? Now I don't, and I, I have my feelings, right? And that's the other thing, I guess, being self-aware. As leaders, we're not always going to get it right. I'm a different leader today than I was 10 years ago. Yes. Much different than I was 20 years ago. As my father says, you know, a little gray around the temples where Cervantes said, you know, no man is born wise, like fruit, time ripens all things. So yeah. it's being self-aware, knowing where maybe you didn't resonate, and sometimes apologizing and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to get this better next time. Yeah. And showing that vulnerability, sometimes people will follow a human being. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this before we got uh, started to, to record, John, about the emotional intelligence. And that's such a huge piece of leadership in general. It's about the self-awareness and it's also about how I act as a human being. It's not just about the competency level. So it goes back to your character, competency and character. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sometimes saying to your team, I'm human, I'm having a bad day. And you yeah. know what? I had a bad reaction. I apologize. Yeah. Or seeking feedback, say, hey, did that land the right way? Yeah. It didn't. Oh, boy. I get the next team meeting. I guess I'm going to have a talk and say, hey, apologize. <laughs> didn't. That's not the way I wanted it to, to land. Yeah. And, and it walks away by saying, how do I want that interaction to define who I am? If that's the last time I talked to that person and I've not always gotten that right. No, right? of course not. In, in mindful moments, we always get it right. <laughs> yeah. It's when we're in a pressure cooker and we got to drive for results as you, as you set up the meeting here. You're not always yeah. going to get it right. No, you're not always going to get it right. And it's a journey. I mean, and you're going to get it right today. And you know what? You're going to think, oh, I nailed it. And then next <laughs> week, you're not going to get it right. You're going to go, oh, darn it. I really didn't get it right. And so, you know what? We all learn and, you know, we got to do what we got to do. No question. So question number three, as we all know, we're going through an enormous amount of transition and change between the global pandemic, the social awakening, and then that economic implication of both. I mean, you're lucky enough you're at ATD. And what did I say to you? In person? Oh my goodness, you're in person. This is so exciting. So, so how do you lead through transition and change? I think about COVID and take a step back. You know, people have gone through so much, right? Mm-hmm. We've lost that connectedness, not just with our coworkers, but our families. I haven't seen my in-laws or my parents in 18 months. Just before COVID, I went back for my, I guess it was 35th college reunion. And my old soccer coach, who had been my soccer coach from age six to 22, was like a second father to me. We missed each other. Ah, hey, next time you're in town, let's catch up. I said, okay. And his name was Paulie. I said, Paulie, yeah, we'll catch up. And he's always had this bond. And there's a leader right there. We all grew up on travel teams, but this guy's our coach. And he, we we're all still attracted to, to him and keeping in touch with him. And um, five months ago, we lost Paulie. So people have lost their freedoms. They've lost their ability to travel, the connectedness, the, the people element, even those folks that are strong preference for introversion are having a tough time. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it's a couple things. It's one, you know, going back to insights, it's 
having a more preference on the people than the, the task right. and having empathy for the very basic personal and practical needs that people have today. Mm-hmm. Right. Those personal needs are, I haven't seen my parents in 18 months live, yeah. or I haven't seen a family member. I've lost a family member. Mm-hmm. People have gone through a lot and it's almost daunting to know how much they've gone through. So communicating, connecting with them, it sounds goofy, but Hey, get your cameras on. Let's connect at least this way. Right. And it's slowing down quite honestly to say, how you doing? Take time. We're all working remote. Okay. Don't let where you work become, do I live where I work or do I work where I live? Yeah. Right. So yeah. balance that, go take a walk, you know, spend some time with the people that you can. It's having a lot of empathy and it's having a lot of communication relative to more the personal needs than, than the business needs, because the productivity's not lost a bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the personal side, if you didn't have trust before COVID, it was going to be very daunting to build it during this yes, time period. I agree. And I believe that just picking up the phone and saying, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we dive into business, how are things? Yeah. You know, it's that connectedness, John. I agree so much in terms of what we've lost. And, you know, there's a lot, we're all doing everything on technology and the camera on for me is so important when I'm doing a facilitation. I don't care how many people are in the room. One of my slides always says camera on, please, because there's something different when you're on camera. At least it gives us something and and it's hard not to be connected. And you're right in terms of how everything's blended together. Am I at work? Am I at home? Uh, What time do I start my emails? It, It just, everything's very, very confusing. So the part about talking to people, what do you need? What is important to you? What is your timing? Go take a walk. Those kind of things. Everybody's different. Some people may say, no, I'm going to work from 7am until two o'clock and then whatever, it doesn't matter, but we ha- we're adults. Let's treat each other as adults. No question about that. Yeah. And also a time to prioritize if people's health is in jeopardy or they're losing loved ones. You know, it's that Maslow, hey, we've got to take care of certain needs before we get to other needs. And I think it's taught us all to be a little more mindful Mm -hmm. and a little more balanced in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, At least it has for me. It's had a tremendous impact. The Zoom thing, we all have like that Zoom overload. Yeah. But, you know, words are only about 7% of what we communicate. It's our body language. It's our tone. And that you can at least pick up a little bit over on on the Zoom and all the technology, but we see it with our commercial teams. They really want to get back together. And so it's a cry to get back to connectedness, particularly for commercial teams where they have a strong preference for extroversion. Yeah. And there's something that you build trust when you're in front of people, when you're having a conversation. I always talk about the whites of the eyes. You know, there's something magical about the whites of the eyes. It gives you a different level of connectedness. Yeah, I really love that around transition and and how hard and, and I guess to honor how hard it is for people at different parts of the day, their life, those kinds of things. It's hard. 
All righty. So John, you know, the best leaders are curious and the best leaders always want to learn. So what do you do? What are some of the tools? I mean, you're ATD now, like woohoo in person, double woohoo. Um, so what else do you do to continually grow and develop? You know, it's interesting. One of my strength finders after strategic and analytical is learner. And I've always been very, very curious. Mm. And so, yes, you're right. I'm at ATD. I just listened to Angela Duckworth and Patrick Lencioni. And I was lucky enough to be on a, on a strategic kind of think tank for ATD. I think they made a mistake and sent the wrong guy. The <laughs> no, absolutely not, John. Either way, um, I do a lot of reading. In fact, I'm, I'm looking right now at The Fifth Discipline by Peter Senge, which, you know, talk about learning organizations. People talk about learning organizations. They don't know the involvement of what they're saying there. And then uh, I've just met with the author and dug into this book, Brave New Work by Aaron Dignan, mm. uh, who's kind of a disciple of Senge and really, really bright. So hearing him makes you feel humble in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because you're like, eh, I got a long way to go here. <laughs> I, I pick up HBR, McKinsey quite a bit. We just had facilitation skills training nice. for our training team and for our, our marketing teams. And if someone says, hey, facilitation skills, I raise my hand. I, I went down there and I, I listened nice. because you think about the learning curve. I always think about the forgetting curve, that Ebbinghaus <laughs> forgetting curve. We forget 85 percent. And yeah. just the fact that you're reminded of it and then you go practice it. Now it's your skill. Yeah. And so the other thing I do is I read a lot of historical novels that are based oh. on history that I love because you can kind of get into the human element and, and where people made mistakes by reading history and go, ah, would never have done that. Oh, wait a minute. I have done that in my life. Okay. <laughs> so learning is a journey. I, I love to read. I love to listen to some of the people that we have on our team, our training team and others. Nice. And at ATD here yesterday, I was just listening the whole time and just soaking up the experiential knowledge that was yeah. in the room yesterday. So hope that answers your question, but I do a lot of reading. And I also probably almost always online when I see a white paper, I'm downloading that and uh -huh. I've got to read it. And yeah. I probably send way too many articles out to our training team, uh -huh. but I'd rather just send it out. Whoever reads it. Great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, that no, that's fabulous. Because the follow up question is, what do you do for your, your folks to help them develop and grow? And you just said a few things. I mean, you're at ATD, you're going to bring that all back to them. You're reading, you're telling them books to read, you're sending them white papers. So so what else do you do to have them individually grow and learn? So I've been with Sun about nine months coming up, maybe on 10. And a couple of the individuals they didn't have this background in instructional design, mm. but they had the eagerness to do it. So I sent two to ATD to get certified for instructional design. When they came back, I said, I'd like to have you at our team meetings do tutorials on what you learned. So this is the 70-20-10, right? Yeah. They, they had 10% in the classroom. Now they've got to apply it. That's the 70. And actually one person, Kristen, said, I love this because now I'm applying it and it's going to become my skill. And she's done a wonderful job with it. Uh -huh. So that's one way I always think about, okay, you learned something. How are you going to apply it? And mm -hmm. how do you take it from learning to performing? 
is challenging them sometimes, pushing them, saying, hey, here's a Gantt chart. <laughs> you want to make life easier on a project manager? I'm going to introduce a Gantt chart or the RACI model. There's always that adoption curve. There's some that adopt it really quickly. There's others that have to wait and see what others are doing and hear from others. But it's also allowing that peer learning to go on. Mm, right? yeah. I don't always have to be the message. We actually rotate who MCs our training team meetings and they get to build their PowerPoint. We always have an agenda. And one thing we always start with is recognition. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we always start the first couple of slides and anybody can recognize anybody for something that was done this past week. And we do that weekly. And it's a fun thing that we do. We have some fun with it too. Like the people that came back from the certification, I put a cap and gown on their, their pictures, you know, <laughs> kind of goof around, but yeah, have to. Yeah. That's, that's some of what we do. We don't want to be the cobbler's kids running around with yes. no shoes. Right. right. So in a training department, always thinking about what are we doing to make ourselves better as we devote significant resources and time and against all of our commercial teams, what are we doing to make ourselves better? Yes. And yes. where do you want to go? And that's a conversation we're always having is where do you want to go? What are the skills that you need to develop today to get where you want to go? And, you know, you come back from an instructional design course, and that may have changed your viewpoint. Wow, I didn't know I love this so much. These are now new skills I, I want to be able to learn and be able to deploy later on. And so that's why the more we learn, the more we want to learn, and then the more we can share and, and apply and perform. Definitely. Karen, that's a great point, because the two came back and it was almost like an epiphany that everything that we do, we got out of, and they both said this, we're out of the DDI, design, develop, implement. Yeah. The analyze is so important to get right. And now that we do this, we can be a value partner rather than an order taker. So they both came back saying, now when we're sitting down with our stakeholders, we're asking, what are we solving for? Who's the audience? What's the baseline? We've got a whole, in fact, both of them put together a two-page how to conduct a needs analysis and a gap analysis to figure out instead of just building a workshop, how do yes. we build out a training continuum? Yes. And so it's been a real epiphany and they've been sharing it with the team. So it's been a lot of fun to watch. And there's other examples that were, you know, facilitation skills training. Right. I was so proud of the team because they had to do a teach back at the end of the day after one-on-one yeah. -on -one with this facilitator. I was so proud of all of them. It yeah. did such a great job. But again, when we're mindful of something we've just been taught, we pay particular attention. Yes. Now we've got some training coming up. I want to listen in and be there to coach them to say, and I asked them, give me the three to five things that you want to practice on coming out of that training. Mm. And they send that to me. And that becomes the coaching points for that competency. Nice. Good. Yeah. It never ends, does it? It never a lifelong journey, man. Exactly. <laughs> All righty. So the last question. So what, what do you do? Uh, you know, the question is like what piece of art or culture, music, anything, you know, that keeps you balanced and the most important part brings you joy. So what do you do that you can come to work and actually have fun at work? What, tell us everything. Well, I, 
love spending time with my wife, obviously, and our kids, but now they're 18 and 19. We're wow. off to college. I feel like we're empty nesters already. <laughs> so the focus of the family has now become Levi, our Corgi, the dog, who's the most <laughs> social animal I've ever seen. I didn't want him. My daughter wanted him, but now he follows me wherever I go. Uh, it's absolutely amazing how this dog they're not big dogs, but they say they've got big personalities. And this dog's got a personality. I mean, he's got to be everybody's best friend. Love taking him for walks. I've met more people in the neighborhood because of this dog in the last four years. Uh, love going to the gym, although I think COVID-19, the 19 stands for the pounds I've gained, I think. Yeah, um, you and everybody else. So I like going to the gym. Already mentioned reading. And then the last thing is premiership football, English Premier League football. I watch oh. that all the time. I'm a former soccer player, played at college, played on the All-Army team. So that gives me joy. Uh-huh. And part of it is it's so much fun to watch a team. And I was a member of those teams. When they score a goal, to see how they come together and get united and how they celebrate that. And I sometimes think – I wish we could get that in corporate America, right? Where every single player is behind the team for that goal. And to watch, you can almost pick up the teams that just like to be around one another. Yes. So that, that I probably spent, as my wife would point out, probably <laughs> far too much time on premiership <laughs> football and being a lifelong, you know, soccer fan. Yes. Yeah. That's what I enjoy. Makes sense. Good. And, you know, again, you said right from the beginning, you have fun at work and you can't have fun at work if you're cranky, you know, if you're cranky at home or you don't feel like you're filling yourself up, we all have to fill ourselves up with joy or else we can't be joyful at work. I mean, there's just a direct correlation between those. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. 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 John, thank you. (laughs) It's so great to have a conversation with you. Like I said, we've talked about leadership so much, but these are very specific questions. It's so nice to get inside your head a little bit. Yeah. Well, Karen, it's always fun talking. You do keep it real. That's that's the most (laughs) fun thing. There's always going to be some laughter involved as well. So I appreciate this relationship. Great. Yeah. Oh, laughter is the best medicine. You, you just, it's at the end of the day, that's for sure. So yeah, John, thank you. Thank you again for being a thought leader. I, I love it. To everyone listening, thank you. We appreciate that. And I'm Karen Colligan. You've been listening to John Kane, who is a senior director and head of commercial learning and development at Sun Pharma. Till the next episode of the Let's Talk Leadership Podcast. Have a good one. And don't forget to keep it real. Music by Poddington Bear. Editing by Mary Lee Williams. We'll talk real soon. Bye now.